It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event, no payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. The Americans now have a 3-1 lead over Sweden at the World Juniors. The Bakersfield Condors are, I guess, watered out in San Diego. There was a water main break, so two games this weekend are not scheduled. They haven't played that many games this year, so they're going to have a lot of makeup games along with the heavy schedule later on. Uh, Oilers forward Sam Gagne is ready to return. Uh, Coach Chris Knobloch says he won't be in the lineup, and then a seventh defenseman will join the team in time for their road trip, according to Knobloch. The team has enough cap space to add that player. Both of those notes, courtesy our friend Daniel Nugent Bowman at The Athletic. You can hear him every Tuesday here on the lowdown on Sports 1440. Joined now by our dear friend and a man I haven't talked to since I think before Christmas. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how much Lego and train sets he got. Steve Lansky joins us now. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Good. Lego, train sets, big, like, engineer's hat. What'd you get? No, a uh, really nice sweater and a visit from our son from Toronto. Nice. And that is good enough for me. You know, it's it's funny when when Christmas comes and your your kids have moved out and they come back, that's, that's a gift all its, by its lonesome, right? And, you know, it's weird because I almost feel upset when they get me gifts because... Just, just be there. That is all I want. I know that's weird, mm-hmm. but the older you get, you, I'm, I'm sure you understand. The older you get, that's really all you want. It's what fills your heart. It fills yeah. mine anyway. Yeah, it does for sure. And also, I think kids, they still don't realize that dad, when dad wants something, he just goes to the store and buys it. That's the thing, right? And you know what dad wants? Dad doesn't want very much. No. Dad's got everything he needs right now, so there's not even a lot of buying at the store. Please tell me that the sweater was hideous, like a big moose on the front, like in whatever that movie was with What's His Doodle. It's not. Do you want to know what sweater it was? Mm. You remember the big? You remember the big Lebowski? Oh, I love the big Lebowski. Well, the sweater that the dude wears is the sweater ah. that I got, and it is gorgeous. Damn it! That's so cool. <laughs> My wife's pretty cool. So yes. Yeah. Yes, you you definitely outkicked your coverage, sir. Um you got that right. Yeah, I got a Fitbit, I got a Prince shirt, I got a computer from my son, and something else I've forgotten. Can't remember. Wow, that's a pretty good haul. Ah, uh, you know what? They're making money now, so it's all good for dad. There's the good stuff right. coming through. Yes, they're making money. The three best words in the world. Totally. So New Year's <laughs> I, I had I had a little bit of uh champagne on New Year's and I had a couple of um Irish coffees at Christmas, but I was surprised how little I drank this year. Are you slowing down there too? You know what? I never started, and I worked for Molson for five years, so that's going <laughs> to come as a shock to it. Try working for Molson and being a non-drinker. Wow. It, it Yeah, it's... Uh, I could write a book on what I heard in the bar after the game. Like, wow. are you too good to drink? Are you too good to drink with us? Why won't you drink? So neither one of us, neither one of us drinks, so it was just kind of a... A really nice New Year's Eve. We went for a walk in the rain, bought an ice cream bar at 7-Eleven. That's, that's pretty nice. much the perfect New nice. Year's Eve for me. And when people used to chide you about, you know, are you too good to come drinking with us? You'd say, I don't drink, and yes, I am too good to go with drinking with you. Is that- you know, it, I, I never, I don't think I ever had a good answer, and I'll be honest with you, it was very uncomfortable. When I think about those memories, sometimes they're very uncomfortable. But I just reached a point in my life where I thought, why would I start now? Yeah, you're right. I, you're right. I, I just never did. It wasn't a 
me better than whatever. And and I'll tell you something else that doesn't hurt. I don't really like the taste of anything. Beautiful. So that yeah, that doesn't that doesn't hurt me at all. I know that. Yeah, and, and also I, I you know good for you for not being intimidated into doing something you genuinely didn't want to do, and quite frankly, burns brain cells and, and isn't good for you. So I'll tell you what, if I was ever going to be intimidated into something, that would have been the time. Right. Because five years, not five minutes for Molson. Five years for Molson Brewery, yeah, and never, yeah, that was uh, that was tough. It could be a chapter in the book for sure. What, what, that was here in Edmonton. It was probably. Yeah, I, I lived in Calgary, but we did most of our games in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, wild stuff. All right, so I, I have to ask this because if I don't, people are going to rain blows on me online. You wrote on the second of January. Uh, McDavid sitting on eight hundred ninety nine. I produced the game, which ninety nine got number one thousand. Uh, only time our host Tim Spellacy and I didn't see eye to eye on something. It's a good story. Maybe with low tide on Friday, people are are haranguing me to tell you that to have you tell that story. So please, the floor is yours. Okay, it's it's a bit of a. I'll try to shorten it, but it's a bit of a long story. Is that okay? Yeah, we'll just have an intermission, like in My Fair Lady. We'll do, then we'll get up and stretch our legs halfway through. I don't have to sing like an overture during the intermission, do I? A little bit, yeah. Oh boy. Okay, let me plan that in my head. So it's December 1984, and the Oilers have just lost in New Jersey, 5-2, to two, to a team that was Mickey Mouse a year before. Right. Rocky Trache scored a penalty shot goal. <laughs> the far, right, the far lesser-known brother of Brian Trache. So the Oilers are coming home, and they are not happy. And Gretzky's sitting on 9.99. And we've got the Kings at the Oilers. I think it was December 19th, 1984. I'm 23, and our host Tim Spellacy is 28. So you got basically you got two 20 year olds running this telecast. And years before, uh, when I started working for Hockey Night, I really struggled with teases. And teases were the first thing we put at the beginning of the show, right after there was an intro, and it was called. It said. Um, the following is a Canadian Sports Network production in association with ITV. That That's was exactly what it said. It. You're right. Yes, it is. Yeah. It was at the beginning of every telecast, and then we did our team. And I remember going into John Shannon one time, who was our senior producer, and said, I don't know what I want to do for the tees t- tomorrow. I'm just I'm so confused about what the tees should be. And he, he looked at me, he was behind his desk, and he said, well, what's the story of the game? And I said, oh, well, it's such and such. He goes, well, then that's your tees. <laughs> okay, got it. So I never struggled with a tease again. So obviously Gretzky's on 9.99. So the tease is going to be Gretzky's thousandth point. And I remember back in the day, you might remember this, the NFL Today, it was on CBS, Brent Musburger was the host. Yes. They would start every show the same way, and I'm sure you remember. You are looking live. You are, you are looking live at Giant Stadium in New York where today Phil Sims will try to break the record for, then they would do a swinging door wipe. You are now looking live at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego. Love it. Love it. Me too. It still gives me frickin' chills right now saying it to you. So I think here's what we're going to do. We are simply going to have an end zone, camera three, wide shot of the inside of the Coliseum. So after it says in association with ITV, down to black, up, you are looking live at Northlands Coliseum, Perfect. where tonight Wayne Gretzky, and this is the sticking point between me and Tim, will get his 1,000th point. And Tim says, well, I'm not saying that. And I said, Tim, look, get serious. 
There's no chance this guy's not getting a thousand tonight. I'm not saying that. And I'm sure as hell not writing it, because Tim wrote the tea. And I said, I'm telling you, he's getting a thousand. The idea is to get people to watch this game. That's what I want to say. And he goes, well, then you write it because I'm not writing it. I said, not only will I write it, I'll voice it if you want, because I don't care. He's going to get a thousand points tonight. So this is the all the whole afternoon where I go back to the hotel. I write it. I write it in hand on Weston Hotel stationery. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. It doesn't have to be long, right, Al? It just probably nope. has to be 20, 25 seconds. Yep. I bring it back. Tim shows up at, after pre-pack probably around 5 o'clock. And I said, well, what's happening here? And he says, I'm going to read it, but I'm not happy about it. I said, okay. So our director, our director, Ron Brown, God love him, but I got more creativity in the nail on my little finger than Brownie ever had. And I said, the tease tonight is just going to be a wide shot of the rink from camera three. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you just go to black and then just come up live on three. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> Ron, Ron, how do I have to explain this? It's just going to be Timmy voicing over camera three. That's it. Yeah, but what's the tape? What are we playing back for? We're not playing anything. So finally, this whole thing comes to get like, I don't understand why I have to pull all these pull all these teeth to get this stuff. Tim, and I said, do you want to read it on tape, Tim, or do you want to read it live? I, he goes, what do you want me to do? I said, well, why don't you read it live? There's more excitement in your voice when you're reading it live. Yes, always. So sure enough, right, right? So we go to black, we come up on the wide shot, we're locked off on three in the end zone. Tim says... You're looking live at Northlands Coliseum, where tonight against the Los Angeles Kings, Wayne Gretzky will get his 1,000th career NHL point, and you will see it live on ITV. Perfect. Boom. We roll our we roll our open. A freaking minute forty into the game, Wayne goes in in a breakaway, goes off the post, go, hits Krusalnitsky's foot, goes in. We've got the ISO. That's it. It's a thousand points. So Tim sits. Tim sits in the studio. I can see his silhouette, but they turn the lights off during the intermission or during the period because it's too hot, right? So Mm -hmm. I can see Timmy sitting there. So, of course, like a complete dink, I just hit my key, right? Even before we rolled the Oh, you're an ass. Yeah, Yeah. and I just went, (laughs) told you. And he... And he, I know he wanted to give me the finger. I know he did. But he's in, he's in front of the camera, so he doesn't. So he just I just remember him holding up his fist a little bit. And yeah. I'm like. <laughs> 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 but I thought, no, that's the right decision. And, of course, it was. And you know what I said to him later? Let's say, Tim, he doesn't get his thousand points. Let's say he doesn't get it. Well, it still gives us something to talk about. We were all so sure as Oilers fans. What happened? How did the Kings shut him down? It's a story either way. Yes, it is. But he was he was adamant. And then just to rub it in. See, told you. <laughs> I, I have to say, I love that story. But as much as I love the Spellacy tension, I love the fact that you had to explain the intro because it was not enough work, you know? That you know what? That's exactly what it was. It it wasn't and like I said, God love Ron Brown. It wasn't what we normally did ninety nine out of a hundred times. It was it was it was a little bit creative and there was just no there was no comprehension there. And why I would remember having to like drill down so deep to get this in. This is what it's gonna be. This is it. It's just a wide shot for thirty seconds. 
It was just, it was almost like it was too simple. <sighs> Mind blown. I don't know what it was, but I remember it. I, I love that story. That is a brilliant one. You've told many. I think that might be my favorite. Um, oh, I forgot the intermission, though. I forgot the interlude. What's that? Da, oh, da, well. da, 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 There, it's at the end. I'm so sorry. Listen, it's your show. You're running the well, show. If you say there's an intermission, there's. Got, I'm so sorry. There's, there's, uh, there's uh, the, the song we've chosen is Get Me to the Church on Time, so you'll have to. Uh, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen just right off the top. I can do I Dream of Jeannie, but okay. that's about it. All right, we, we could go with that. Uh, so let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Um, we, you and I, if we ran, if we rolled tape on all the conversations we've had so far this season, people would think we had either been drinking or making up a season because this Oilers team has gone from sublime to the ridiculous. And I mean, they're not out of the woods. They're, they're, you know, it's not like they're, they're sitting in first place in the Pacific Division, but they've got an easy schedule. They've had a fantastic December. Is there any possibility this team would stub its toe against Ottawa tomorrow? That's so funny you would frame it that way because yesterday I said to somebody, I don't know if this is the most bizarre season in NHL history, but 30X number games in, it feels like the strangest season I've ever seen in my life. And you just framed it exactly the same way. Of course there's a chance they stub their toe against Ottawa, but I think that the more they play the way they're playing, so against Philly, you got the two goal lead, you blow it. I think, I think they've figured it out now. And this is hard for me to say, but I think they've figured it out. I think they figured out that if they listen to Chris and Paul, they will get a W. There's a direct line between the two. And I think I'm getting the sense that any toe stubs from here on in maybe small that's my guess mm. can you 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 were around coffee as a young man uh paul coffee's had a fascinating career books have been written uh scotty bowman's book was particularly you know he, he expressed frustration with coffee because coffee was such a gifted player with the puck and and a little at times an adventure without the puck but a brilliant player nonetheless and with that as the background, and that is my sort of you know resume or or uh, scouting report on him as a career. His his coaching, I don't know how much of it is him and Mark Stewart, and how much is Chris Knobloch, but the the structure, the calmness, but also the aggressiveness and the ability to make plays of this defense it has been a, a revelation. And it's 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 hard not to give Paul Coffey at least some credit for it. Who knew? It's not like he's been coaching for fifteen years. No, that's a fact. But I would say this, and, and I'm obviously, I don't know Paul Coffey as well as many other people, but to me, the, the best way I could describe Paul Coffey is Paul Coffey saw things differently than most other people saw them. And not hockey-related and also non-hockey-related. So when you get somebody like that, if you want to call them a really creative person or a really unique person, whatever you want to call them, I think people struggle with understanding people who don't see things the way most people see them. Now, that's what made him great. And quite frankly, that's what made Wayne Gretzky great. It's because he saw things differently than everybody else saw them too. And I think Wayne and Paul were very similar that way. But I also think Paul was very uncomfortable with a lot of the um, slings and arrows, bullets, criticism he took over his career. 
And if I think about that too hard, it makes me sad because it still makes me sad that he left Edmonton the way he did. I remember doing the game the night he got traded to Pittsburgh and we did a phone interview. I was doing a CHCH game in Toronto when Ron McLean was our host and I had Ron do a phone interview with Glenn Sather. And I remember during the whole phone interview, I was just so sad that the first piece of what was a great Oilers puzzle had been moved. And I think that Paul sees things differently. And if he can impart that, which I'm guessing at this point he can, that's, that's success right there. Is he, and I don't, I've never met Paul Coffey. I've met a few of the old timey owners, but I've never met Paul Coffey. Is he sort of a, a cerebral person? Like, is he, is he, does he, despite his obvious physical skills and his athleticism, does he sort of see the world uh, at a different level maybe? I think he does. Um, I think when it comes to hockey, he's certainly cerebral. And it's funny, I got a funny story. So I don't know when this was, Al. I think it was during a World Junior in Toronto. So probably 2015. I'm on an elevator on a level at what was then Air Canada, now Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Arena. And there's probably 15 people in the elevator. And we're getting ready to go down. And just before the, the doors close, Paul Coffey is coming towards the elevator. And so I reach over and I hit the hold the door open. And he comes in and he says, oh, thanks. I said, hey, man, when you score 48 and break Bobby Orr's record, people hold the door for you. Everybody else in the elevator laughed, but he looked kind of semi-uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I just thought, gee, isn't that funny? He wouldn't laugh at that, but he didn't. Hmm. He just kind of turned. Yeah, I thought, that, I thought that was strange. He turned inside. Everybody else laughed. Everybody thought it was great, light, lighthearted. And I, I, I don't know what he thought, but I just thought... He didn't react the way I thought he would react, and I thought that was interesting. It's funny because Coffee was, I think people, because he got traded out of town so quickly, and maybe um, he, his legend grew elsewhere, and, and although he certainly accomplished a lot when he was at Edmonton, I remember taking at least two people to games in the early 80s and raving about Gretzky, and both of them came away raving about Paul Coffey and his skating. They couldn't believe him with on the ice with the puck on a stick and how fluid it was. He was a gorgeous skater. I've never seen a better skater than him in my life. And I mean, there are faster skaters. Mike Gartner was a fast skater. Connor McDavid's a fast skater. I have never seen a more beautiful skater than Paul Coffey. And I could, I could literally, like, I can't say this about anybody. I could watch him skate all day. And I don't, you know, it'd be fascinating to see a computer breakdown of the mechanics of, you know, where they put that suit on with the balls all yeah. over the place to yeah. see why he's such a beautiful skater. He was just such a beautiful skater, beautiful to watch. And we're playing hockey and trying to score goals. That's not the, the prime objective is to be a beautiful skater. But boy, was he ever. You know, I, I, as you said that, I remember reading, I think in Sports Illustrated, they, they, uh, they had a computer come up with the perfect uh, wind up and delivery of a pitcher, and it was so close to Nolan Ryan, people were freaked out. And I wonder if the way Coffee skated is about, you know, obviously size and length and all of that have to have an impact. But he was such a powerful skater too; like he had real power, but grace with him. The thing that amazed me is three strides, and he's like, if if you remember the goal he scored to break Bobby Orr's record, the mm-hmm. one where 
I, I have the famous ISO of it. He hard, he picks up the puck in his own zone. I, I should I should play it and count how many strides he takes before he gets to Troy Gamble in the Canucks net, but it's not very many. Yes. He takes a few steps and he cuts, and then there's a couple of no strides and then pass some guys. It's fascinating to watch. I, I've never seen anybody skate like that before since. We've gone long, but I'm glad we did. Lansky, you rock. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. Have a good weekend. All right. That's Steve Lansky delivering today. Wow. We, I shouldn't talk to him for two weeks all the time. He just brings the gold there. God, I know. Who knows what your Amtrak's going to bring next? All right. We thank Mr. Lansky. Great guy. On the way, your M Chuck, I'm going to ask him a few heated questions, targeted questions about the orders of the deadline. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Oh, I love that song. It's too bad we couldn't play it the whole damn thing. But we, you know, we have an important guest on the way. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick, and we are delighted to be joined by Tyler Uremchuk, whose time is limited because he's talking to everybody uh, in the world of sports. Uh, did Saravali have anything interesting today to talk about? Um, what did we talk about today? Not really. We had an interesting conversation about William Nylander and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and whether or not it's wise for them to commit $11.5 to $12 million to another forward there. Don't you think the, the play is to, to somehow offload Tavares? But here's the thing, Tide, is like for one more year, yes, John Tavares isn't worth his $11 million price tag, but... What do we know? John Tavares loves being a Toronto Maple Leaf. If you can get through that last year, then after that, John Tavares has taken hometown discounts to stay in Toronto. He's not chasing another payday. So if you can get through one more year of overpaying him at 11, what if after that he's only a $4 million player for you because he just wants to be there? But what if you threaten to publish that pajama story again and then make him sign for $1 million? Well, exactly. I mean he might just do that, right? Like, he'd be towards the end of his career at that point, made a ton of money. He might just say, I'm so committed to winning in Toronto, I will take $1 to $2 million deal. So I don't think you want to move Tavares because I think you want to see through the rest of the contract so you can get him on another one. Now, the, my next question, I feel it, it, it will be perceived as a, as a kind of a made-up media question, but I do think about this. There have been times in the past, around this time of year, where the orders have had... The Ottawa Senators come into town, and Craig Anderson has stoned them, and they've lost a game they really should have won against an inferior team. I don't think that will happen, but is there is there any part of you that thinks, man, this is a game where there's been some time off, they're on the road afterwards, they've obviously had some family time. Do you, do you worry at all about that? I mean, every game in the NHL is winnable. I mean, Winnipeg is one of the hottest teams going right now. And they only beat the Sharks 2-1 to one yesterday. So you can't take anyone lightly. But with that being said, when you look at how the Oilers are rolling right now, Tide, and how the Senators, they appear to be a very fragile team from a mental perspective, I, I think this one's right there for the taking. I don't think this is a night where the Oilers even need their A level to win. If they bring their C or D level, they'll lose. But B minus or better. And I, and I just think the gap is so wide between these two. It's not like they're getting great goaltending right now. Like those Sens teams in the past, you're right. Craig Anderson on any given night could just rob you and whatever. I don't even think the Sens are close to that. What's your feeling on January? Now, there's I think there's 11 games. Um, they're 1-0 and right now. Do you think they could win eight? Or what, what, would, what would your 
What would your crystal ball tell you how many points they'll get out of 11 January games? I I had them honestly going nine and two, and I know that is lofty. I know that is a very good record to sit there and go, that's my expectation for the month. But the bottom line is, who are the playoff teams they play? Philly, okay, already beat them. Maybe you want to consider Detroit as a team that's close to the bubble. Seattle, Toronto's obviously in the mix, so is Nashville. But when you look at those teams, they can beat Nashville, and that one's on home ice. Seattle's playing good. I, I have that one as maybe a game where it's a letdown and you lose. But Toronto doesn't have goaltending right now. They are very, very beatable. Detroit isn't that consistent, very beatable. Calgary, whatever. And then you play a bunch of lottery contenders in yeah. Ottawa, Chicago, and Montreal. Like th- Going 8-2 and two the rest of the month here is not a big ask for this team. And if that happens, we're not talking about a playoff team low tide. We're not talking about a wild card team. I think we're going to start having conversations about this being a team that could potentially get home ice in round one again. Man, that would be incredible. Okay. Um, a month ago or more, if we talked about the Oilers' needs at the deadline, goaltending would be high, right-handed second pair of defensemen, and then a, maybe a two-way winger for the second or third line. Now it might be center, goaltending, and the defense. What what, what are the Oilers' needs, and have they changed for you after Knobloch arrived and then the recent run? Here's the interesting part about the need for a goalie and, and where I'm struggling with it at the moment is you are in all likelihood going to go as far as Stuart Skinner can take you in the playoffs. Like, I don't think there's a goalie out there who, and I know we're coming off a year where Bobrovsky and Aiden Hill were the starting goalies in the Stanley Cup final, but I don't think there's a goalie out there who is capable of coming in here and, like, taking over the number one job in the playoffs unless you're going to pay a huge exorbitant price for a guy in the next six weeks, which I don't see is happening. So I think goaltending in a weird way is sliding down the list as Pickard proves he can be trusted in the regular season and just with the belief that you're going to need Stuart Skinner to carry the ball for you in the postseason. So I honestly think either a third-line center or a second-line right wing might be the biggest need for this team. Either you want to keep Ryan McLeod as a winger or you're moving McLeod and Fogle off of that second line, hoping they continue their momentum on the third line, and then you need to find a, a good complementary player for Leon Dreisaitl. I agree the blue line needs to be upgraded, but another big problem, Tide, like at the beginning of the season, the guys who I would have looked at as being potential cap dumps were Cody Cece and Warren Fogle. Those two might have played themselves off the trade block. Yep, I agree with that. And the the... Here's the thing, what they, you know, it, it would be nice if they could find a way uh, to get rid of the Campbell contract at the deadline and then just add, right? Like trade picks, trade a first rounder for something you need just to kind of improve the depth. But trading Campbell would be such an exorbitant price. And I don't think there's very many teams that could do it. No, I don't think so either. And you know, it's an interesting little wrinkle if you want to look really far ahead. The Connor Brown bonus next year. When you factor that into the Oilers' cap picture, well, what if you could get rid of Jack Campbell at the deadline, and then the deadline pieces you add, you just you know retain them down and keep them within a nice tight window. What if you can eat a big portion of that Connor Brown bonus this year, yeah. and then all of a sudden losing Jack Campbell's five million, and then let's say that allows you to eat two million dollars of Connor Brown's bonus this year, all of a sudden losing Jack Campbell now gives you like $7 million to play with in the offseason. It's like a weird double dip, right? That's interesting. That's an interesting little wrinkle that you have. Um, riddle me this. 
We know that based on rumors out of Toronto, there was in- interest in Vincent DeHarnay. I'm assuming he'll sign here. But if he reaches free agency, do you think he's a guy who, because of the uniqueness of his talent, might go for in free agency higher than the owners can afford? Teams love big defensemen. Like, who is the guy Vancouver signed a couple of years ago? And it just went Tucker Poolman, right? He's a big boy. And he got two and a half million dollars, even though I guess he's only six two, so maybe not the best example. I was thinking of Logan Stanley. I was getting them confused. But teams love big defensemen. Teams will overpay for big defensemen. And my concern with Vinny is we love him at seven hundred and fifty K. We'd love him at one to one and a half million dollars, but he's a UFA at the end of the season. And if he gets we'll call it Chris Russell syndrome where the front office gives him two and a half to three million bucks and it's more than he deserves. He is going to be a whipping boy very early into that contract. I love him as a value guy, but I don't see him as a guy you overpay for just to keep in the mix. And if that ends up being the case, if some team out there goes, nope, we believe in him as like a great third pairing, maybe even a top four guy one day, and they want to give him two and a half plus, I think you got to just gulp and say, thanks for your service. We're walking away. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, NFL weekend, anything exciting you? Anything afraid? Anything making you afraid? Well, considering that my Buffalo Bills could either win the division or miss the playoffs, I've been doing nothing but freak out for the last 24 to 48 hours. Um, I'm very nervous. I'm a wreck. I need Matt Iwanek's Baltimore Ravens to come through for me tomorrow <laughs> night so I can have a sweat-free Ukrainian Christmas tide. Love it, love it. So you double dip on the Christmas, you rat. I mean, I, I, I do you get two turkeys? Uh, no, low tide, because we're Ukrainian. You do the 12 meatless dishes. So oh. it's putaha, it's nalesnika, it's nachinka, it's all that good stuff tomorrow. But okay. it's also, Ukrainian food is the best. You, you, if you have a Ukrainian meal, six weeks later, you're hungry again. It's great food. It's Yeah, it's unreal. I'm very excited for it. I know I'm lucky. Final question for you. Um. The Jays are a funny organization in that they excite the fans and that we're going to the winter meetings and we're getting a Tawny or Soto and then they don't get anybody. They don't even get like Lloyd Mosby. What are they doing and is there any shoe that's going to drop here between now and spring training? I don't think so. I think they're going to run it back with the same team and bank on some internal improvements. I think it is a massive mistake. I think that if they do that, we're going to be 12 months from now talking about a team going into a rebuild. I just... I can't see this core group of guys figuring it out with more without more external help. So it's very disappointing right now for me and my Jays fandom. Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being no chance at all, 10 being just count on it. Vladdy having a rebound season and hitting like 45 home runs. 45 home runs? Well, a, a big number. Hey, yeah, like I, I think he's a 35 home run guy next year. I, I would say that's more on like the 7.5 side of the scale. I still believe in him. I think... We forget how young he is, and the expectations because of his name sometimes get a little bit unfair, but I think he'll have a much better year than he did this last season. All right. Uh, enjoy your weekend, sir. Yep, you too, Todd. Thanks. Okay. Todd Uremchuk from Daily Faceoff, Oilers Nation, and uh, Network Television soon, I'm sure. You know, he does a good job on the podcast. I feel like those podcasts are, there's so many of them. To rise above is a big deal, but I think his do. He's very good at it. Very proud of him. Not that I had anything to do with his success. Believe me, I did my best to hammer him daily, and it didn't work. I'm telling you. Alan, what a great way to start the weekend by listening to the president of the Jim Brown Fan Club from Fergie.
his prostate. That was what I liked most about Uremchuk was his, and, and you have it too, Declan, is, is Uremchuk had enthusiasm. And so he went into everything with a great deal of enthusiasm, even when he was, you know, like danger was, was upon him. There was a slight delay in recognizing it, which makes it great for radio because all radio really is, is aha. Gotcha. It was a bit of youthful ignorance. Taking well, the bull by the horns and just saying whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I, I think that there's also an age uh, 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 ignorance, too. So I've got the other that, end of the scale. So you Okay, know, okay. You know. um, so how are we doing time-wise? We've, have we done everything? Did we get everybody said hello to? And We've uh, said hello to everybody. We're doing what we need to do. We can probably take a break in the next minute here if you want to do something a little quickly. Then last segment, and we're on the way home. Is today the Ryan McLeod thing? Yes, it is. Okay, four o'clock today at uh, WEM VW. You can slide down. Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogel will be there, and this is the the cloudy uh, hoodies and T-shirts that they're selling. All proceeds going to uh, the Stollery. That is all correct, and Connor Brown will be there as well. Oh my God! So you get a three for one. Yep. And if you're going, and we told you to go, be kind to everybody. Be be hugging and be wonderful. It's such a good cause. It is such a good group of people involved, uh, and uh, we wish them nothing but the best. I hope this thing goes big, and I, it's really very tasteful. It's great uh, threads, as the kids say. Uh, we'll take a break. Our final segment, we're going to preview the order weekend and talk about the Condors a little bit and maybe a little draft talk. No, no, it'll be fun. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. You know, you're in your 20s, and you think you are the cutting edge of life. And then years later, you go to a movie like The Iron Claw, and you see some of the haircuts that you had when you were in your 20s, and you want to crawl out of the movie because you realize you have to burn approximately 3,000 photos of you when you were in your 20s. And then, and then like a couple of weeks later, you're back at work and the young 26-year-old guy plays as a bumper Tarzan boy. And then you realize how many truly ridiculous songs you listen to on the radio and maybe even dance to at whatever club you went to. And you, you go... What was I thinking with the hair and Tarzan boy? What was that? What was going on in my brain? You didn't know I had that one in my arsenal, did you? I did not. You didn't know I knew about Baltimore. It was between that and putting on the Ritz by Taco. Oh, please. That'll be a Monday Take thing, me I now, guess. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. And, you know, and yet, when I was 15, like, you can't make me apologize for Ballroom Blitz. I loved it. That I will not apologize for. But much of the... Much of the 80s, I, 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 I don't know. Do you remember Max Headroom? Yeah, like the mask? Like the... Well, the he was a person, I guess, right? The commercial, right? Remember okay. that? I only really know Max Headroom from that guy who hacked the Chicago news station with a Max Headroom <laughs> and a mask. That's kind of my only reference of it. Okay. Well, I just... I, there, people say... They'll, they'll say things like, oh, the 80s were great. Really? Really? Because I think the 70s were great. I guess it's all how old you were at the time. Because I was like a teenager in the 70s. And for me, everything in the 70s rocked. And then in the 80s, hockey was better. But a lot of stuff wasn't. And 
I'm sorry, but some of the music was a little bit not so great. Some of it was fantastic, but like the Talking Heads, so good. The Talking Heads movie from like whatever, what year ever year it was, 84 or whatever, so good. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. They're playing Holloway at center down at Baco. Well, they, they're going to, but they have been watered out. A main break broke in San Diego, and both games are canceled. So Holloway was going to play with Raphael Lavoie and Lane Peterson with Holloway at center on a big line. Bob Stoffer reported that yesterday um, after having talked to the coach, uh, Colin Chalk, on his show. But they're not playing this weekend. And Holloway needs to play. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be down there, but he has never been dominant offensively down there. You want to see him get to a point per game. Brian McLeod was point per game. Now, it was during the year where they only played PAC uh, division opponents. But you want, you, you know, you want the guy to have real success offensively, to really feel confident before he comes up here. Edmonton in the last few years, I, I really liked their development of goaltenders. Skinner and Rodrigue, I think they've done a fine job with defensemen going back to Oscar Kleppbaum and the Oklahoma City days. But forward, mm, I don't know. I don't know, man. I wrote about it the other day, and they've had, you know, Tyler Benson was the big offensive guy. Cooper Marodi was the big offensive guy. They didn't really cash. And then uh, Polga Yarvi, who was pretty dominant as a teenager, Kyler Yamamoto, They've come to the NHL. They've received some bigger contracts, but they didn't cover the bet. Yamamoto uh, did not cover his his, uh, his contract, and he ended up getting traded away and then bought out. And then uh, Pugliarvi, you know, he had two really good years, and then he got injured. But uh, so you can't really say he wasn't, you know, didn't do enough. He got injured. But I would suggest to you that a guy like Dylan Holloway, I. Everybody goes, well, they're drafting the wrong guy. I don't know if that's true. I think draft and development go hand in hand. And as patient as they are with the defenseman, I think Holloway being down in the minors and scoring at a point per game might be good for him because he needs to have some offensive success at the pro level. He certainly has not had it at the NHL level. Agreed, Low Tide got talking heads, uh, speaking in tongues on vinyl for Christmas from Husks. Vinyl's the best. Vinyl's the best. This is from Ontario Moms, uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, McLeod, Holloway. That's your center depth, pure skill and size. There's not a team in the NHL that can keep up with that if they ever ran it. Well, there's inexperience at the back end, though, right? You know, I'm never going to quarrel with McDavid, Dreisaitl. McLeod, he seems to be better at left wing. I think he can play center, but... You know, maybe he's better utilized on the wing. And, but I like him as a center. I really do. I'm, I'm just being honest. I like him as a center. And Holloway, we don't know, but Holloway is a fourth line center with his speed. If he had a little more experience, he'd be dynamite. I agree there. I just heard you talk about the Iron Claw. What did you think of the movie? As a wrestling fan, I loved it. What say you from Quentin? Quentin, I loved it. I, it was very enjoyable. Um, I, 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 I became irate at one of the characters in the movie, but it was a true story or based on a true story. So I, I'm assuming most of it was correct. It, it was, it, 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 there's the, it's, it's exactly what wrestling is. 
It is high entertainment, pure tragedy, and there are no survivors. And so, it, but it was, it was, it was compelling. I did not, I didn't even look down when I was eating popcorn. I was, I was extremely interested in the movie. Um, and it, there, the, the only criticism I would have of it, it was, it was a little bit long and they, they covered so much ground that it felt like the movie was in a bit of a hurry, but I loved it. I would watch it again. As a matter of fact, I would. British music in the eighties was pretty good. Style Council, Simply Red. I love Style Council. I love the jam. Simply Red. I like. I know people love the, them. Uh, Holding Back the Years was a big hit. I never really got into them. You know, I hope this isn't sacrilege. I never really got into them. Like, you know, I guess it was maybe a little bit like Blue Eyed Soul, but I would prefer Daryl Hall and John Oates if I was going to go that way. But now that I say that, somewhere on planet Earth. Maybe, maybe McCord is is smiling and saying, "Aha! You like Daryl Hall and John Oates, or your Mjuck is." They're fighting. Did you know that Daryl Hall and John Oates? They were fighting. I think Hall got a restraining order on John Oates, which seems a bit much. Just hire security. You've got more money than he does. Holloway was a poor top twenty draft pick. Not sure why people argue this so much. I did not have him in the top twenty. I don't think. But but I, once once a player is drafted, it's a sunk cost. So we like arguing whether it was a good or bad. We we did that at the beginning, and now we can acknowledge that it, there were other players available. I had Dawson Mercer as the most likely option. I had him at ten. They drafted at fourteen. Mercer would have been the better pick. But that's done. That 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 argument has has flown, and you cannot live in the past, and you shouldn't punish Dylan Holloway for it. Dylan Holloway is trying his best. As a good follow-up to that movie, check out the Von Erich episode of Dark Side of the Ring on Crave. Interesting. I will. Has there been a heart movie, a movie about the heart family? There must be one out there. Let me let me look it up right Because here. I would really like to see that because it sort of um, got my juices flowing for, I remember Stu Hart and I remember Brett. I remember, I think there's 5,000 hearts, so I don't know if I remember them all, but like that movie that I watched, The Iron Claw, it reminded me so many times of of the Hart family and the like you know <clears throat> the pain these guys go through and you know I guess it's a little bit like enforcers in the NHL but this is a very vicious brutal sport which I happen to love I don't watch it closely like I did when I was young because I you know I've got other things I have to do I got to go you know pay bills Zach Efron is on a new movie about the Von Erich brothers is this working? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Is this no, working? Come on, take it easy. I, I just, I just, no, I just said this. Take it easy. I'm just saying, I just talked about it. What's, what, what? I try so hard. I try so hard. I talked about the Iron Claw. I said I liked the movie. I spent, what, five minutes on it. And Zachary Efron is in a new movie about the Von Erich brothers. It hurts me. I would recommend watching the entire Dark Side of the Ring series. I will if you look up all of Tor Kamada's matches on YouTube or wherever they are. He was he was not my favorite when he was going, but he's the guy I remember most and I care about the most. McCord, uh, no, it was UConn who explained that to me. 
is that the guy that you, the guy who was the, the foil, the guy who was the, the bad guy is the guy you end up loving at the end. That's so weird about wrestling, but it's true. Who's your favorite wrestler? Or do you have one? Don't really have one, but if I had to pick, I guess I'd pick Andre the Giant. Oh, very good choice. Yeah. He was in the, have you seen the Princess Bride? Of course. Of oh, course I've seen I the love Princess that Bride. Movie so much. So good. <laughs> Stop it now, and I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> He's so good in that. Oh, I, I got to watch that again. I got to watch that again. When my daughter was small, I, I, she'd, I'd say, well, we're going to watch Princess Bride. And she'd say, oh, Dad, do we have to watch that again? And now she brings it up. She suggests we watch it. Such a good movie. He's well, almost, he's not really dead. He's almost dead. <laughs> That was good. There is no heart movie on for well there needs to be. Maybe Zach Efron can do that. Oh now people are just people are just coming at me now. Zach Efron is a new wrestling movie. Ha ha ha. All right. I'm paying attention better than Declan. The Iron Claw covered with so much ground they actually deleted one brother and combined his story with one of the others. Oh really? I did not know that. But there was a lot. Hmm. 80s Donald Fagan, The Nightfly, fantastic album. I don't know that album, but I know Donald Fagan's work a lot. I liked a lot of the music in the 80s, but I just, I, I, living through it, it's like, um, you know, the names of the bands, even like Pet Shop Boys. Um, who did Life in a Northern Town? I can't remember the name of that band. Uh, who did Breakdown? Shakeout Sister? Swingout Sister. Yeah. I used to hang out with Smith's bar, uh, Smith Hart. There was always weird but entertaining stuff going on. What's going on with Evander Kane? Well, he's, I think he's a little bit banged up, but he's playing. Archie Goldie. See, now we're getting it. We should do a... Re- do you have a wrestling segment weekly in you? No, I, I'm not equipped. We could bring someone on for sure. We could get someone, but that can't be me. I'm Would afraid. you do me a favor? Would you cast about and see if we could ever find somebody who could do a weekly wrestling um, segment, and maybe we could get it sponsored? Absolutely. You know, um, absolutely. We got to do curling too. We got to do mm-hmm. curling. Uh, Jackie Ray's out there, and I'm like, damn it! We'll she, get her on. She's offered to be on, and I I keep not inviting her, which is bad form by me because she's fantastic. I get uh, Tim Ellis on here too. What else? Highlight? What? What should we get? Maybe we could get somebody to do a segment on the royal family. That would go over really well. All right. Thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. Jason Greger is on the way next, and it's time for a sports update.